We're continuing today and next week in our series on Proverbs. I hope you're reading every day, a chapter a day. I realize I'm out of turn. I'm looking at a text for tomorrow, but i got to stay ahead of y'all because so many of you have been reading every day. I talked to a family last week that you've been reading each day with your children, and they've been owning that word to the point where one of the children, when they said something inappropriate, they said something that they should not have said, immediately stopped in their tracks and said to their mom, Oh no, Proverbs says I'm now a fool. So they've, they've been taking that word in. So we're going to look at chapter 7, but really we're going to be pointing back to the themes that we've been reading all week long in Proverbs. And I, need, I do need to stop and say this as we begin. This has been on my heart as we've been going through this series. It's hard as a pastor to, to press Christ onto every verse. He is on every page. We see his wisdom here. We see his mind here, that this is the mind of Christ. This is the heart of Christ. This is the way of Christ. He has perfectly lived out this word. So Christ is the way, and he calls everybody who comes to him to then live by his way. But as a preacher, it's hard to say every, as I preach on wisdom, it's difficult to put Christ on, on that, okay? So I just make that claim that he's here, but these are Proverbs and general illustrations to help us live for him. And I'm glad I was going to already say that to you because Friday or Thursday, I was posting on social media and the famed uh, preacher C.H. Spurgeon has said, not preaching Christ, sir? Well, why don't you go home until you have something worthy to preach about. So I'm glad I made that claim. Christ is on every page, but we're looking at these general illustrations and these parallels and comparisons about how we not only avoid sin to please Christ, not only to fix our lives for Christ, but these are words on how to flourish with God. These, these are words on how to flourish with God. Christ. So we're looking to Proverbs and seeing again these repeating themes about the importance of how we do family, being careful as this child, being careful how to, to speak, uh, being, being wise and avoiding evil. And this week, we, we've talked about this before, the importance of, of, of being, avoiding or being very careful with drink. Have you read all those passages just this week about how how wine is a mocker and strong drink is a brawler or don't be with heavy drinkers of wine one of my sermons this past spring during our abc series was debt discipline discernment debauchery and drunkenness i don't know how you did not fire me after that because that was a long sermon too right but it's this repeated reminder throughout Scripture to be very careful with that because of what can happen. And I'm so pleased that we are, we are pursuing and seeking a ministry uh, for, for, for those who wrestle with codependency, for those who wrestle, and, and Diane's right, it's every hang-up and habit you can think of, but also for those who wrestle in this way. We looked at our backyard, and we said, where are people hungry? Where are people hurting? Where is there a need? And we realized that this was a ministry that was, was, was missing in our community. So I hope you'll come to those interest meetings. I hope you'll be praying about that. Because Proverbs does not, as we said last week, it does not pull punches. 
When you get to Proverbs 23 and you read verses 29 through 35, it describes what can happen when we give ourselves to this temptation. It not only speaks of, 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 of someone, their words changing. I think in the Hebrew it says, cuss like a sailor. But uh, it says it'll change how we speak. It'll make us brawlers, yes. But it even says we'll get beaten up and not even know it. And how does that chapter close? You wake up in the morning and the first thing you say is, where can I get another drink? So these are themes that, are, that we see in our culture. It's a ministry we're to have to one another. I hope you'll be praying, praying about that. But here are the passages, especially in themes form this week. For today's reading, if you didn't get a chance to read 17, it talks about strife. And it gives a very vivid, as Proverbs does so well, a very sharp, stark, and vivid uh, illustration for us to see it says like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles in strife not belonging to him you seen somebody do that this week have you been tempted to to step into somebody else's business that has nothing to do with you but you i've got a word to say about that i want to get in the middle of that and mix in the middle of that Proverbs, look, the Bible is tough enough on dogs. If you're a cat lover, you love the Bible because the Bible has very few things to say about dogs, but it does say here, and again, it very life, look, this is real stuff. You, you get in a dog's face, and there's going to be trouble. I was preaching a, a funeral for one of our elderly congregants at another church, and she had lost her daughter. And my phone started blowing up during the visitation. My wife and daughter had actually gone to that elderly woman's house to sit at the house during the service, but also she had some animals and they were caring for them so she would be comfortable during that time. And my daughter got in the face of the dog. And so at the, at the graveside service, my phone started blowing up. We're headed to the plastic surgeon because she had meddled. She had gotten in the face of a dog. This is real life, and it's a reminder to the church, it's a reminder to followers of God to stay away from strife. It will hurt you, and it will hurt others. You can't miss that here, and it goes deeper. If you drop down to verse 20 in chapter 26, yes, it says, look, just don't add wood to the fire. It'll burn out. Let it go. But the problem is we don't, and it's, it's, a, it's a good word here in terms of illustrating what we can do. So not only do we enter strife with strife, but so many times it's this. We whisper. We whisper and we keep it going. And the fire gets fanned and then there's more flames. We whisper. And not only do we fan the flame for strife, but if you go, drop down to verse 22, those words, Solomon says, it goes to our innermost being. Our words to others and our hearing of those words. It gets in our belly. It gets in our heart. We cannot meddle. We cannot stir up. Just look at your life this week. Look at my life this week. Where have I whispered? Where have I kept things going that were not mine? And then this second reminder to us, and I will admit to you this is a preacher stretch. Two or three times a year, I will confess, this may not be the best exegesis of this passage, but I think there's a word 
for, for me. I think there's a word for us here. And it's going back to chapter 22 and 23. He, he goes to point this out twice, 22, 28, 23, 10. I think it's a needed word for our culture, and it's this. Do not move the ancient boundaries. There's something to that. Linda prayed that in her prayer this morning, that God's word does not change. But Proverbs says over and over again, we found it at least twice this week, where verse chapter 21, 2, every man is right in his own way. That yes, I know there are boundaries, and again, he's talking about trespassing there in that passage. But, there, but, but over and over again throughout this, we're bumping into these verses that says our hearts can rationalize anything. That we can, in our own minds, think we're right and move from the ancient boundaries. You are right, by the way, right? I know I'm right, right? Whatever you're believing, you're thinking, I'm pretty right in this. We all do that. But our own hearts can deceive us. Scripture's clear about that. I remember a confrontation with one of my youth parents years ago, decades ago, who was growing marijuana in his house. And he had rationalized it to his son, well, this way I won't get, there won't be violence on me if I go to a dealer, right? Right in his own mind and in his own way, not thinking about all the other things that could happen to him and the influence of his children. But he had, I've got it. This, this right in my own mind. We are tempted to move the ancient boundaries. Um, and y'all, it's even happening in other faiths you wouldn't even believe. Um, ever since three, 400 years ago, when we had that thing called the Enlightenment, do I need to read any of that work? You want me to bring out Descartes and Kant? No, okay. But ever since that, we've kind of figured we can do it on our own. That when we read a work... Uh, 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 any book, we, we don't think, what did the author mean? We think, hey, what, what, did I, what did I get out of that? Even to the point where Islam now, years ago, and I heard a speaker share this at Millsaps about 10 years ago, is radically affected by the Enlightenment. Who can issue a fatwa? Who can issue an official statement about what we will and will not do in Islam? Declare it. Not anymore. They've been affected by the Enlightenment. So somebody who has no clerical rights like an Osama bin Laden, he can issue a fatwa and we go. We do whatever we want to do. Why? Because the world revolves around me. I don't mean to be preachy. I just know the temptations in my own heart that I want to rationalize or I want to move the boundary. And it's a word for us and it's a word just to know our culture. Our culture, our culture can move the boundaries. We can move the boundaries. And two times Solomon says, to the people of God, be careful. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I want to come back to another theme that we've seen. We kind of touched on it one Sunday. I didn't have much time to address it, but we see it at least four times in our passages this week, and that's this issue of envy. If you remember back in Proverbs 14, 30, it says, at peace, a heart is at peace, and it gives life to the body. But envy rots the bones. Most of us are going to struggle in some way with this temptation. This temptation that, as one pastor said, is such a short and inconspicuous word, envy, but it has the power to destroy us from the inside out. They're saying right now, in terms of the commercials and the ads and the images that are out there for our children, there's about 14 billion. Not that they see that many, but there's about 14 billion. 
uh, they average about 40,000 commercials a year is what our children see. Put before them, this is life, this is what brings life, this is what you need. And if you don't believe that, by 18 months old, most children can recognize logos. By two years old, they're asking for that brand. What we put before our eyes not only gets in our heads, but Solomon's saying to the church, it can get in your heart. And y'all, we've said this before, what we see is not real. Who puts their worst days on Facebook? Who puts their worst picture on Instagram? No, we put our best picture, and we filter it. So when I see the sunset that my friend has two miles away, I'm like, that's not the sunset I have at my house. i got to move two miles. There was a the young child, uh, son of a major league baseball player, one of, one of my churches, rich, spoiled kid. And uh, not Brantley's kid, so not, not Jeff. Uh, but rich kid, we were at a retreat one time, and we were walking back across the lake, uh, this trail beside a lake, and we looked up and said, man, look at that moon. And he looked at us and said, I got one of those at my house. <laughs> True story. Right? And I look and I see the moon there, and I'm like, I want that moon at my house. What's before our eyes, we said that our first week together, eyes and ears, what we put before us, boy, that can get into our hearts and if you jump to tomorrow's reading in 2720 we're just never satisfied we eat and we're never satisfied we see and we're not never satisfied one of the first billionaires in the united states history when they asked him when are you going to stop when are you going to stop when's enough going to be enough how much more do you need what did he say just a little bit if i can get just a little bit more do you think he ever stopped no Never satisfied if that's what you're seeking. And envy, to look at other people's lives, envy will, oh, it'll crush our walk with God. And it'll crush our lives with others. Proverbs says, 23, 17, don't let your heart envy sinners. Proverbs 24, 1, don't envy or desire to be with them. Alexander Schultzenitsyn got it right. Our envy of others devours us most of all magic mirror on the wall check me on that youtube it it's not mirror mirror but magic mirror on the wall who's the fairest we're always looking if there's somebody else i've got to have that and it'll crush us proverbs gives us real life verses about that and what proverbs does for us this other theme it reminds us that so many of these issues are not just about what we do so i can avoid sin and so i can live life with god but they're really heart verses in these seven days of reading at least 11 times could be more you maybe have found more uh, solomon's talking about the heart and what happens to us in our innermost being and in our heart that's the real concern of proverbs that there be a heart change a love for god's ways a, a hate of of sin so that then i won't depart and walk away from God. It's heart, heart, heart. And that's why we looked at 2719 today. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. You've seen it in chapter 21 and 24 this week. The Lord weighs the heart. 2326, give me your heart. 2319, direct your heart in the way. It is the center. We can cover with the outside. 
We can jump through the right hoops, but what the Lord wants, yes, is your mind, yes, is your life, but he has to have your heart or he'll never have your mind. He'll never have your life fully. Jesus was so clear about that. I see you jumping through hoops, Pharisees. I see your walls (laughs) whitewashed. What's going on here? But we hide out here, and nobody knows the war that's going on here. Give you an example of that, and I'll embarrass myself to do that. When at my first youth ministry, and you'll, you'll meet him, he's been at church a few times, and many of you know him, because he's been to Germantown games and Madison Central games. One of my best friends in life is a kid named Chuck Jeffcoat. He's the number one fan at Northwest Rankin uh, High School, and they've literally voted in that. Uh, Chuck, uh, when he was born, either did not get enough oxygen when he was being born or after being born, uh, and so Chuck's like a 12-year-old kid, but he's just turned 43, holds a full-time job at the Natural Science Museum, so maybe you've uh, met him there. But he and I have been great friends since he was in my youth group back in the early 90s. Chuck's obsession in life is professional wrestling and sports. So once a year, usually, it's been about two years, Brent Bishop and I took him to professional wrestling about three or four weeks ago. I didn't see any of y'all there. But anyway, um, so that's his life is pro wrestling. And so once a year, I will, I, Chuck and I will make a trip. We still hang out all the time, but once a year we'll go, go see pro wrestling. Well, he had heard that Kamala, the Ugandan giant, actually from Como, Mississippi, but the Ugandan giant <laughs> was going to wrestle in McGee, Mississippi. And so he said, Barry, can this be, can this be our, our one big trip this year? I said, yeah, man, we'll go, see, we'll go see Kamala. So I got front row to the battle zone of McGee, Mississippi, and uh, about a w- three or four days before we were to go to that, I got a call from the bishop. Barry, you're going to be going to McGee, Mississippi to be the new pastor there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't turn down Chuck, right? And so uh, I'm not making this up. Baseball hat, <laughs> sunglasses. Collar up. I, I didn't, it was summer, so I didn't wear, a, I would have worn like this trench coat. But anyway, we go, we go and see Kamala. We're front row, and at one point in the match, Kamala got hit in the face, and he screams at the top of his voice, ow! And my friend Chuck looks at me and goes, Barry, I didn't know he could speak English. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess he's been here long enough, Chuck. He's picked, he's picked that up, you know? So we watch that match, and I'm trying to get out of there, you know, avoiding eye contact, don't want to see anybody. We get out, don't talk to anybody from McGee. I'd been at McGee about three, four, five years, and so I finally tell him this story. Hey, I've been to McGee once before. I tell him the whole story. I go to the back of the church to greet people as they're leaving, and a 90-year-old gentleman, Don Forker, comes up to me and says, I thought I recognized you. <laughs> like he had been there, right? I was trying to cover. And sometimes we could even cover with self-righteousness, right? Trying to hide, as we talked about four or five weeks ago. Um, Didn't want to be exposed as a pro wrestling attender. Um, We can hide. But Proverbs is saying over and over again, don't just jump through these hoops. Y'all, we got to jump through every hoop. Whatever it says to avoid, avoid. Whatever it says to do, we do. But it's just as concerned or even more so concerned what's going on in our hearts. 
Proverbs exposes us for that. It only exposes us, but it encourages us. Son, that's what Proverbs says, son, I want your heart. How is it with you today? You, uh, you stepping in and meddling somewhere? Are your whispers to coworkers or to friends keeping things going? John Wesley said, if I want my people, we talked about this this spring, if I want my people known for everything, for anything, let it be this. There's no evil speaking in their mouths. Nothing. How is it you and I need to repent of that and step back from that? How is it uh, you and I uh, need to, to, to guard our hearts and maybe even guard our eyes because envy is, is, is eating us up inside? How is it with our hearts? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word. Uh, we thank you for its correction. We confess that there have been places in our response to you where we've wanted to move the boundaries. Help us to, to only live uh, by your word and by your ways. Father, if there are issues in our heart where we're stirring things up or, or we, we're being carried away by, by envy, would you come and would you minister to that? Uh, bring us your grace. Bring us your encouragement. But also, we pray, bring us your correction uh, so we can have lives that, that, we said last week, that would be an exhibit for others that, so that we might be light uh, for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his grace so we can know a heart that is clean. We thank you for his grace that we can know a heart that has strength and power. It is our prayer, Jesus. You be glorified in our response to you this day. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.